Absolutely delighted to be joined on this week's TRM podcast by two internationally renowned uh, authors, thought leaders, and two people have both been speakers separately with uh, the Recruitment Network over the years. I'm a massive fan of Sophie Devonshire and Ben Renshaw, who recently collaborated to write a book which is coming out in November called Love Work, uh, where they have researched and uh, reviewed how our relationship with work is evolving. What is it we can do individually and also as business leaders to help ourselves and others really uh, make sure that their relationship with work is a healthy one and is one that's going to allow us to thrive uh, and enjoy the journey. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, Enjoy. A massive uh, welcome to this week's TRM podcast to uh, Ben Renshaw and Sophie Devonshire. Uh, very good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for your time. Um, now, fun, funnily enough, you've both been speakers of uh, the Recruitment Network over the years. Um, Sophie, about two years ago, Ben, back in the summer, a summer retreat in 2019. Um, and here we are, all three of us together, for a very different reason, because um, we re- I really want to talk about this new book that is coming out very, very soon. Um, so, Love Work. Um, first of all, wh- what's, it, what's the headline? What, what's it about? And, and where did you two meet? Because I don't know how that happened. Uh, although I know that you're two great speakers. So, if you, where did this all come from? Well, uh, the headline, in terms of what it's all about, is our desire to find ways to help people both recover uh, their love for work, if as for many of us, the last couple of years has been a little challenging to say the least. Um, So we're both interested in how people can feel about their work and feel positive about it. So recovering their love for work, but also discovering because sometimes actually the help that you need to discover you know how how can these 90,000 hours of our one wild and precious life that we all get 90,000 hours that we spend at work how can they be positive and productive so uh, Ben and I got together to talk about people's relationships with work thinking about it from a relationship point of view the most important relationship we'll ever have and we were introduced by a mutual friend who realized we were both what's the word, geeks, when it comes to really wanting to understand leadership, um, how, can, how can we help people have better work and better lives and lead better lives together? And we decided that it would make sense for the two of us to work on this research and project together. Fantastic. Ben, you, you've written uh, at least eight books. How many books have you written now? Yeah, look, this is the uh, the tenth with Sophie. Oh, well, in fact, the twelfth together collectively, which is fantastic. So and, uh, but it, it it's been look. It, I mean, Sophie is. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased, and you know, she's fantastic. And um, but deliberately seeking a collaboration because I th- I think in this age of work, in a way, you're only as successful as the people that you surround yourself with, mm. and and the ability to collaborate on on a topic. At, so significant in our lives and what I what I definitely have found and which was a key driver for me in terms of my interest around work is it it's yeah we're all there and as Sophie says working approximately 90,000 hours in a lifetime and yet how much thought 
Mm. Have we really given to the quality of our work, the relationship that we have it? I heard a great definition of productivity recently, which was described as deep thinking. You know, often we talk about productivity just in terms of, you know, getting stuff done faster, which I get. That's a huge value in terms of being efficient, et cetera. But actually the thought required, and I think the way that we've structured the book really helps take people on a journey, as Sophie said, in terms of either recovery and or discovery around being able to thrive at work. So there's a model that sits behind it, which we've defined as the love work model. It's based on three Ds in terms of discovery, develop and delivery. And there are seven simple steps to really support people with that journey. I, re I really want us to understand what those, those steps are. When's it coming out, by the way? November, isn't it? November the 25th. November 25th, fantastic. And ben, your, your previous books, you know, you've written books like Purpose, Being, uh, a lot of it focus seems to be on fulfillment and purpose, purpose in life. Uh, Sophie, your book, which ticked my favorite book of, um, uh, super fast which is absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant book um very very sort of different angles how much of how much of the uh, idea for the book came through what we what, what we've just we're going through at the moment as in the uh, legacy of the global pandemic well interestingly um we'd been talking about it and researching this before the pandemic really hit um and it's something for both of us we've been interested in it for a number of years um, I think our different paths in life and perspectives on, on what work has been for us as individuals, but also because we've both coached and consulted with lots of people and, and understood how you can take ownership and shape your own life to love work a little more. Um, so I think the, the idea came before um, the uh, interesting times of the last 18 months. But of course, what we've then done is talk to people all the way through that, look at what's happening, try and anticipate what's coming next. Um, and the timing feels really important because we know, as I'm sure you do, Gordon, there are so many people we all know who are taking this moment to pause and work out what next for them. So there will be the great resignation. Everybody's talking about it. We can see it happening already in a number of different industries, recruitment is very, very hard right now. Um, and therefore this is a moment for people to work out what they do next. But this book isn't necessarily about throw it all in and follow your passion. Yeah. Do something completely different. You must go do a startup. Actually, what we think is really interesting is talking about people who've reshaped their careers and their lives, often by staying in the same, uh, same um, uh, job as well so if you think about it you know we've taken the relationship stance here and talk about love it's about you know really working through relationships and in the relationships you're in and understanding yourself mm -hmm. as well as understanding what your potential is when it comes to work yeah no, that, that's really interesting I was thinking that as you were just talking about there about the guy I played tennis with the other day called Tom mm -hmm. 20 years an investment banker he now is bakes bread and pizzas on a Tuesday and a Friday and he, he looks the happiest man I've ever come across uh, really, really interesting. But the, the that second piece you talk about there, Sophie, it was really interesting to me. A lot of people obviously putting in the work and time and the hours and, and maybe not being quite as fulfilled as satisfied. So who, who ultimately is this book for? Because I, I know 22-year-olds who are having a big, big think about life and work, having come to the last uh, two years. And equally, I know people of my age who are having similar thoughts. Okay, it does cover the spectrum. I mean, we, to, to inform the book, 
we interviewed over 30 leaders uh, from around the world. So uh, leaders in, in different sectors, industries from China and Asia and America and Australasia and Europe, all, all over. And it, it's a real synthesis that, that that's kind of sat behind the core of the book, as well as some academic rigor of two. We're very fortunate to partner with a, a lady, Amy Edmondson, who's professor of leadership at Harvard, who's author of a book, The Fearless Organization. And she's really pioneered the concept of psychological safety. And psychological safety is the idea about how do you create conditions and environments where everybody can be themselves, bring their best selves to work, have voice, speak up and contribute. And that was really popularized by Google three years ago. They did a big research program called Aristotle uh, where they interviewed 280 Googlers, teams, and actually defined, they thought, you know, what was going to be the distinguishing characteristic and factor for a high-performing team? Psychological safety, actually having that as a platform. So this has complete breadth and application from um, absolutely your 22-year-olds who are starting out, who are looking, asking those big questions of, you know, what does amazing look like and where am I today and how am I going to get there? Absolutely, as Sophie said, in terms of people re-evaluating and the great resignation, of course, has completely captures that. And we're seeing this everywhere we go now, that organizations, probably their number one biggest risk right now, talent, people. And where do they go and what does that mean and look like? So, very briefly, the seven steps that you mentioned earlier, just to kind of bring those to life for you. And um, for those that in, kind of appreciate following a bit of a sequence. Um, so stage one is around this discovery. And this is the opportunity to step back and really focus on three key things. So we call them finding your fuel, opening your mind and unlocking your code. Finding your fuel is starting with purpose. So it is your big why. And really for us, that, that has to do with meaning and substance. Why do you do what you do? On the back of that, opening your mind is then really looking ahead in terms of vision. And one of our contributors, Richard Biotis, who's a, a well-known, again, professor of leadership in the States, did a lot of work with Daniel Goleman on emotional intelligence, but he's a neuroscientist. And he actually, they've identified what they call the positive emotional attractor, which is the part of the brain that actually gets ignited and lit up with vision. So vision is a fundamental element. And if you were working with Richard, he would start by actually getting you to ask yourself, you know, the question, what does ideal look like? not just work, but life in 10 to 15 years. So really step back. And then on the back of that, unlocking your code is about creating your own personal framework to unlock your potential and drive yourself forward, which includes removing, identifying the blockers and obstacles that really can prevent you from fulfilling your potential. Just on that, the point you just made there, how many people in your experience actually have some sort of clarity about the 10, 10 to 15 year uh, vision of, of fulfillment that you're talking about very limited very limited it, it's incredibly rare uh again i think in our work that we do encounter people that have a clear picture uh from a very very um you know rounded picture and 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 therefore work becomes a key component mm -hmm. of life and also your relationships and the ability to have clarity around that 
And then, and vision is, it's not a plan, it's not a target, it's not a goal. It genuinely is a compelling picture that really inspires you and energizes you and provides the fuel to move you in that direction. Just um, to add a, a few thoughts around this as well, I think what's probably useful as, as well is to think about what this book isn't. Um, and it absolutely isn't a, um, uh, a careers guide in, in great detail about what you should do. It's a very um, personally challenging book. Mm. So I think the target for this and the, the people we're thinking about are those who are ambitious, but not just ambitious to be successful, but to be being ambitious about wanting to really enjoy their lives and make the most of it. But I, I know we've talked a lot, obviously, Gordon, about what a busy world this is and what a super fast world this is. And in the last couple of years, everybody we work with and know is busier than ever but what this book then does is help speed up their time in thinking through what to do next and how to approach it so giving people a framework which allows them to to really consider what they want to do if they want to go further if they want to go faster if they're trying to work out, I mean it's a great it's a great framework for if you're moving into a new role because of course that's an automatic trigger point for right let's make the most of this and shape this but actually I think the the framework is really useful if all you want to do is you know hit 2022 with a clear plan of actually I've been exhausted this year it's been really tough but I want to make sure I'm I'm shaping uh, what happens next and thinking about how to to nurture that relationship that you have with your your work with the people you work with you know, these, these steps are designed to be as simple as possible mm. uh, to help everybody follow them and, and to give them the optimism, really, and the hope, because I don't think you have to throw it all in and, and bake sourdough bread to feel happy and fulfilled at work. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's good. I am rubbish at baking, so that's definitely <laughs> not an option for me. Um, no, I love that. And again, a lot of people listening to this, this are business owners who have invested put uh, body, heart and soul on the line to, to build their business, to navigate through the last 20 months and and are probably a little bit tired from, from, that, from that experience. And I suppose a lot of those questions that you're suggesting in the book on step one that we should be doing, just stop a little bit and reflect. Um, uh, maybe we don't give ourselves time to do that properly. Um, okay, love that. So that's- Sorry, step, Gordon, step one. just one, one point I wanted to build upon from that as well. It, it's also, I think that uh, this is a great framework to support other people with. So in my experience, so working in organizations, which is where I spend most of my time, it's very, very rare to come across leaders that actually have a sophisticated framework in order to support their people to do the work they love and also have a meaningful career progression. And just a quick example, I was actually working with a, a group this morning, next generational leaders for a big retailer, and uh, one of the big issues that came up, recruitment. <laughs> and what they were saying was this one, they gave an example, this one candidate, the differentiator. So they've been trying to recruit this one role for five months. And the, and, and the person saying, I'm desperate, I am desperate. And the one, and when I was asked, so what, what does the candidate need? What is the differentiator? And actually what the candidate was looking for was progression and growth. They wanted to be able to come into an organization that had a sophisticated and meaningful structure to enable them to progress. Yeah. A lot of places don't have that. And so part of our drive in terms of writing this book as well is to support people 
also parents. I mean, I'm a parent. I've got three kids. My daughter just started university, you know, a few weeks ago up at Newcastle. All she's doing is drinking right now. But at some <laughs> point, at some point, you know, a framework. Love work. <laughs> at some work, at some point, love work's going to need to kick in. So how do you, you know, what, what's the conversation? How do you engage them? How do you take them on that journey? And there are some, you know, big ticket items today. And what we see all the time, you know, sustainability, top of the agenda for people, diversity, inclusion. You know, these things are really meaningful over and above just the completion of tasks, getting some money. We get that. But those are hygiene factors. Yeah. You know, so what, what's going to really make the difference? And hopefully this is a contribution to that. I suppose actually, if I, if I was looking to develop a retention strategy for for my employees, if I can get them loving what they're doing, loving that, love, loving their work, and, and and I guess ultimately, if they decide that maybe there's a different direction of travel for them, then you know, if we've got that openness and transparency, then happy days as well. Yeah, I think though, um, it has to be very realistic. Um, so you know, our title is you know, in, in some part, a little tongue in cheek, because of course you can't love work every second of the day. I mean, I genuinely do love my work, but not every single second of the day. And sometimes there are other things I'd rather be doing. And sometimes it's really tough. But in the same way as, you know, you can't be on honeymoon for you know, the entire relationship. Um, but there are some, some ways in which you can work out what suits you best as well. So, you know, to go back to that point of, of how personal this is, this is, this is definitely not a book that says you should in any way mm. um, but it's certainly one that helps you think what you you know what could be possible mm. um, and that's actually been one of the fun things about writing this together and researching it together is you know we're two different people who believe in cognitive diversity on teams yeah. therefore having that in partnership and being you know slightly different in our approach has also been helpful in in sharing well this is how one of us has looked at it this is this is how other people might view it and understanding that you can still have a framework which then gives people the freedom to fill in the bits in between with what works for them. Mm. Yeah, okay, no, I love it. So, okay, I've gotten to step number one, got a view of that, let's-, let's, let's Yeah, but look, I took, you through, I took you through the first three, so find your fuel, open your mind, unlock your code, that's all under yeah. discovery. The next three sit under development. Okay, yeah. And they are activate momentum, give and get, and accelerate evolution. And, and at the heart of those, activate momentum is very much how do you, show up as the best version of you in order to really, really start getting some traction. So as an example of that, that's about, you know, really identifying and playing to your strengths. Yeah. And then how are you truly in a performance zone in the flow? Again, where you are overcoming adversity, you're absolutely thriving on challenge in order to drive things forward. On the back of that, give and get is about the relational element. So how do you build those really, really meaningful partnerships that ultimately, I mean, we would suggest, you know, at the heart of work is, is relationship. And so again, being very intentional about the relationships that you build and you nurture that help you thrive and accelerate evolution really brings us up to speed where we do reference, you know, COVID, the recovery from the pandemic, and in particular, what we're calling dynamic uh, working, which is moving away even just from hybrid and virtual, but actually, uh, you know, how do you in this environment uh, work in a way that energizes, that's productive, that brings people together, and it's very dynamic in its essence. I'm, I'm really interested in that number six, I think it is. 
this this re relationship with work. So, so how how is that changing, or how has that changed, or how do you anticipate that changing? Um, and is it is it different for different generations? Um, how we perceive work. I mean, the, the, the statistics and studies are certainly indicating that there is a generational difference. Um, you know, that we can see uh, that there are a number of people who are very clear on their expectations, that they expect more from their employer, both in terms of the employer's responsibility to society, but also in the way in which you know, they, they can thrive. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, of debate and discussion about it, but I think that the, the fundamental shift has been we've all started to talk about um certainly i mean we're, we're talking here about you know a, a certain type of knowledge work in general you know i mean it tends to be that that type of business and we've certainly seen a shift in expectations where people want to find a way of mm. um making work not be the opposite of life you know that terrible work-life balance um conversation where you go well sorry is 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 work then the opposite of life? Is it death? Is it something yeah. so terrible? Um, and even, you know, the language of salaries and compensation, are we compensating people for the terrible things they have to do? There is this shift towards an expectation that actually work can be fulfilling. Mm. Um, and all kinds of work can be fulfilling as well. I and mean, that's the interesting thing because it's very easy to talk about purposeful work, working for a charity, working for something that's obviously um, gonna be a great dinner party story in terms of what you're doing. But actually, the way in which people can contribute to uh, a better life for mm. other people in all kinds of roles is what's been fascinating in the research. Mm. I think what, what, one of the things that we've been seeing, which a, lot, a little bit aligned to that, Sophie, is the uh, our, our members are being challenged by how do I find talent to help me scale? Because we're all growing, because everybody wants their um, wants talent at the moment. So. You know the most progressive members would be saying right okay i need to make myself meaningful and relevant so let's let's push the sustainable agenda let's push the uh dni let's do something meaningful and purposeful but equally there's been a lot of sort of playing around with the on, a little bit on the back of the flexible working but just saying that time is currency so you know we've got members trying the four-day week very mm -hmm. successfully actually yeah because in terms of the love work people they're looking to attract are saying actually you know I don't like to do other things and I can have a great, better relationship with you as my, as my main employer, if I can have, find time and space to do, do, do other things. Do you, do you think that is just going to, that is just a trend that will continue that relationship with time? Uh, I think it's been, it's been a total transformation across the last couple of years in terms of people being much more open to that conversation, yeah. partly because we've shown what's possible um, in terms of dynamic working, working in different ways. And partly because when the war on talent is so fierce, it is a way of, of providing benefits that aren't just salary linked. Mm. Um, and because technology has made it possible. So it, there are endless debates about how much it's gonna continue and what's gonna happen. But there's certainly, the four day week is fascinating. Things like um, family shift time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think there are going to continue to be a lot of experimentation and exploration. Mm. And it varies. It varies according to what type of industry you're in and, and what's going on. But at the heart of it, there is all the stats we've seen about how much more productive people are, how much more loyal people are if they're in a situation where they feel they have some ownership over how they're shaping it. 
mm. um, and in which uh, in which they're energized. So I, we go back to the energy is everything point, which has been really seen as we've gone from, you know, as the sprint of the first COVID hitting to the extra sprint when the second lockdown happened to, you know, it being ultimately an ultra marathon that everybody's just gone through. Mm. Um, you know, we're really understanding ways in which to keep the energy going up at work and playing with time currency and giving people more um, uh, personal flexibility is, is definitely um, mm. in what most forward thinking leaders are exploring at the moment. But it's fascinating because as an example, one of, one of our clients is London Underground. And what they've actually found in terms of passenger patterns, it's a whole new pattern now. So their busiest days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, their quietest days, Monday, Friday, but the busiest day of the week now, Saturday, unprecedented. They've never had that. So, you know, everybody coming out to play on a Saturday and, and of course, a totally different pattern during the week. So I, I, I think, yes, on, on every level, we, you know, we are looking at a, genuinely substantive shift every organization we're working with are having to really come to terms with what's the you know employee value proposition what what does it mean what does it look like are we doing 60 40 are we doing this are we doing that i i, I guess you know simplistically where we would probably come from is number one you know be outcome led yeah. so you know it's so much more important in terms of well what you know, what are we trying to achieve? What does great look like? Let's focus on that. That's the goal. And then how are we going to do that? What's the best way? Sometimes it's going to need collaboration. But, you know, we still hear some examples recently of, you know, one, one organization where, you know, they mandated everybody to go back, you know, full time. I mean, you know, and, and the kickback and the impact, it just doesn't work. So, yes, very different mindset and it really takes us to our seventh step which sits under delivery so bringing this all together on our final step is make it matter and and this is really again individually and also collectively how can we all really make a meaningful difference in the world of work to help make a better world and because that's the intent behind all of this and i think as, as a consequence of that too you'll be a better version of you and, and that will energize and that will rub off on those around you. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, fascinating. So, so if, I was a, if I was running a business with, uh, in the world of recruitment, SME, let's say, and um, because love work is a, a proven methodology, how would actually, if you were a business leader and you're buying into some of the concepts of the change, change of work in the world of work and how people are thinking differently and the, the great resignation is going to happen at some point, how would you, in practical terms, use the, use the seven steps? I'll let you go on that, Sophie. So if you're, um, if you're looking, so this, this, is, this is designed for the individual to work through. Yeah. Um, for the, um, for if you're looking at it within your organisation, the great thing is that you can help people go through that together. Because, again, we go back to the, what, what you can't do is, is, tell people you must love work it must be fun it must be brilliant and you can't you know even even if you're saying to everybody look hey look we're doing all these amazing things you have a four-day week or or we've introduced yoga or whatever mm. that still isn't going to change the fundamental reality of what your team need to do is to work out what works for them and how that matches up so it is it's like dating or you know it's identifying what they want 
uh, and finding the right match for it and being able to shape it. So if you are, say, running a, an ambitious business and wanting to go further and faster with it, taking your, allowing your teams and your people to go through this um, and giving them a very easy structure and there's ways in which you can do it with organisations to, to workshop through it. Again, you aren't, um, it's not the command and control, this is what it could be like, but it is recognising and respecting that all your team are individuals with very different perspectives on everything, with very different needs, mm. and that what you're giving them is the potential to shape it in a way that works for them. So actually it's part of the overall trend which we've seen in 21st century leadership anyhow, which is actually um, be there to support but allow people who are closest to the customer to decide what's happened, allow people who are closest to the code to decide what happens, allow people to decide for themselves how they can work at their best mm -hmm. and giving them that kind of freedom and autonomy within a structure which will help them do it fast. And, you know, respecting, there's a lot in the book which really respects um, the fact that it's a two-way relationship always. Mm. You know, this is not, you know, this, this is why I go back to the sourdough thing. I mean, this is not a throw it all out and you must demand that this is what you get from point. It's about the relationships, the give and take. Mm. And it's about um, how can you work through in, in smart ways, a way to make it work for all of you. Mm. So there's quite a few, I mean, what we've tried to do is um, pepper the book with stories and examples of how other people have managed to make it work within their organizations or, or what organizations have done to help with it. Mm. Um, it's also full of love notes as well for anyone who's in a hurry. Um, the love notes and the at the heart of it bits of it all sum up some of the, the key points in a way that you can take away and make sure that you're you're using and sharing. So that's also a great thing to share with your teams. You can talk through some of those um, messages and use them as discussion points. I mean, that's the other thing, to be able to say to people, not just, this is how it's gonna be in the future, but to open up those discussions. Yeah. How can we make this work? And also understanding, because I think the other thing, um, uh, Bruce Daisley um, always talks about the, the problem with the pressured times is that leaders then sort of revert to being like Victorian mill owners, even the best intention people. You know, I've been there, I know. You end up feeling stressed and you kind of want to say to everyone, but we've got to deliver. Um, and actually what this does is just is to allow you still to say to people, look, we have to deliver. This is what the business needs, but you can do it in a way that works for you. And I will help you work out how to do it in the best way possible. And that sense of grown up safety and um, trust that you then engender makes all the difference for giving people that the energy they need right now. Yeah. It feels a, uh, first of all, I can't wait to read it. I pre-ordered mine. Uh, the timing of it seems absolutely beautiful. And, and, and when I saw the title of the book, it reminded me back of the, uh, probably the most influential person in my life, uh, uh, a guy called Mahesh, who, who guided me in lots of, lots of ways. And he always had behind him in his office, um, this, this little saying said, if you find a job you love, you won't work a day in your life. And I always thought that was brilliant. And it sounds like this book might actually help people to understand how to take that uh, inspirational quote and, and, and put it into reality. So best of best of luck for uh, the book. Um, just very interesting. How was the co-authoring experience? I know you've done it before, Ben, but... Um, you know, do you come, does the st styles merge or does... I, I just follow Sophie. You it's just a lot easier. Just, <laughs> just do, do what... And I just go, yes. No, it, it's great. I mean, look, I, um, 
we 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 be, we played a strength. Yeah, we've really played a strength in the book. Um, you know, we've shared interviews. We've brought that together. I've kind of done quite a bit of the writing, and then Sophie comes in and sprinkles her magic and brings it to life, and then puts the energy and the drive into it. So it, it's been genuinely a fantastic, fantastic experience. It's it's a it's a really I mean it's the first time I've done it and it's a really different experience. But I think it um, the the creative abrasion you get when you have a good thinking partner is brilliant. So, you know, we did a lot of our discussions uh, first thing on Saturday mornings, you know, because <laughs> that was when we could squeeze things in. Because I, I did start a new job right in the middle of all this, which was terrible timing, I have to say. Um, but we would have conversations where we'd be debating, well, what's the best way of expressing this? Or does this work? And, Chris, and it actually, the, if you think, the, the expression of creative abrasion where you're polishing ideas and polishing things, I thought was really, really helpful. Mm. And I think, you know, both of us um, learnt a lot from each other and, and from those discussions, really. Yes. So having a thinking partner when you're working on any kind of project. Plus, you know, Ben's infinitely more disciplined than me. So we actually just got it done in, in plenty of time, which, you know, is also great. Fantastic. No, any best luck. One final, one final question. I'll just keep it at one because I, I, you've inspired our membership over the years. Um, who I'm always interested to know who's inspiring the inspirers. So who, just one, one thought leader or business leader or, or leader in life that's inspiring you both. Um, I'll start with you, Ben. Yeah. Look, actually, just very relevant uh, topical today is uh, Sir Andy Coslett. He's the chairman of Kingfisher. He, he was also the chairman of England Rugby. I've known him for about 20 years. Uh, he used to work at Cadbury. He was then CEO for IHG and Hospitality, and we did a lot of work around purpose. And I was actually, it was an amazing time this morning. I was using him as an example about what I call the, what, what he called the leader's walk. So he was very intentional as a leader. Everything he did was considered. As an example, he would use the time that he took from walking from the lift to his office as a way to engage, a way to connect and a way to inspire people. Mm -hmm. And I was sharing that story today. And as I did that, I actually got a text from a guy who had happened, who worked for Kingfisher, happened to be having dinner with Andy last night. And he just said, hey, they had a catch up. So Andy's always been a source of inspiration for me. Love it. Love it. And Sophie? So I'm going to cheat and do two because they're both. So we've got the, the Marketing Society Conference is taking place um, in November and um, we have uh, all kinds of, of speakers. But there's two people there who I think are currently real change makers, which is the theme of our conference. Um, and the first is Sir Tim Smith, who is the co-founder of um, Eden. Um, who is one of the smartest brains around, you know, maverick entrepreneur, fantastic. Um, but what he's doing and what they're doing with Eden, I think remains a real inspiration. And then um, Greg Jackson, who is the founder of Octopus Energy, which has grown from nothing to a $3 billion business in six years, um, purpose-led, uh, customer-centric uh, organization and a brilliant leader. Um, I think he's a real inspiration and a model of what 21st century leadership can look like. Fascinating. Thank you both. Uh, really, really good to see you both and uh, best of luck with the book. And um, I can't wait to read it. Uh, thanks for joining us on Tyrion Podcast. Thanks, Thank Gordon. You, Gordon. Fantastic.